Welcome back to A Current Affair here on Leitrim Daily, which of course means we're taking a look at the issues surrounding the county for the last seven days and maybe with an eye forward to what's happening over the next couple of weeks in the county. I'm joined today by two ladies, two councillors from the county council, Councillor Fanola Armstrong Maguire and Councillor Mary Bohun. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you. Brian. Thank you. It's lovely after two weeks of having your male counterparts to have two women here. But unfortunately, you represent two of the three women. So it's only three out of 18 of this year's council, or this five-year council term, are female. Let's start maybe there and talk about uh, the role of women in public life in the county. I suppose it's disappointed that we came back with one female councillor less than we had uh, the outgoing council, where we had four. Um, and that's a bit disappointing. But suppose overall, we have women playing major roles in business um, and, and sport uh, in the county. It's quite difficult for women, I think, the travel, uh, the amount of time that you have to spend. Um, and I think people are more conscious now of family time and uh, how important it is to spend uh, time with families and children. So it is quite difficult. And it's quite difficult for men as well now, I might say, to hold down. The council is almost full time. So uh, a lot of people that are on the council now are either self-employed or retired or semi-retired. So it's difficult all around. It's just so time-consuming. Uh, it doesn't pay a full-time salary that you can do it full-time unless you have an income from somewhere else. So it is very difficult for women, and particularly for uh, younger women that are juggling with families. I know myself, I've done it. And at the time I was first elected, the council wasn't as busy as it is now. You know, there weren't as many subcommittees to service, and there weren't as many voluntary groups you know, to, to go to meetings and service as well. So we saw in the last election right across the country where it was quite difficult to attract, attract women, and particularly to attract young candidates into it so it's difficult for women but it's also there's an all-round difficulty i think for uh, candidates now because of the, t the amount of time and uh, some people just don't want to give it that time and a little bit of abuse that goes with it as well which maybe some people can't take yeah i'd agree um councillor mary there has given a good outline of it i entered politics uh, much later um my family were reared my youngest boy was 18 when i said i'll uh, join on the ticket for finnegale um i think the time was very right for me while some people have regrets of not doing things earlier i would love to have done it earlier but certainly the time involved and the unpredictable hours um, would, would lead it to being you cannot be leaving the house uh, with small children and yet you have to leave the house on and off uh, quite often. Also being self-employed in a business um, where I was meeting people already, I would think that that fits very, very well. And there are a lot of men um, involved in, in local uh, government like me who too have uh, businesses and I, I really think that fits extremely well. You're already working with people. Once you work behind the counter, you're meeting people as they are and you're giving them the service that they want and you can transfer that over to the county council. Um, I have a huge interest in people and I do have an interest in politics. I have an interest in, in our nation um, as national and as local. Uh, I would encourage other women to think on it, but I think things have to improve on it for, for young women to look on it as a career. And uh, it cannot be office hours. That's not the nature of what the work we do uh, fits in with. So it will always be um, extra hours and early mornings. Uh, but I thoroughly enjoy it, and I really would love to have more women uh, come along at, at election time and take uh, to the road and, and take to knocking on the doors and ask to be elected, because that's how all of us are elected, men and women. It's by knocking on doors and asking for the vote. It is a nice spread all the same. There's three of you, one from each of the electoral areas mm -hmm. in the council. What can we do to maybe double that in five years' time as a, as a start towards maybe getting some sort mm -hmm. of a gender balance in the council chamber? 
Well, I, I suppose um, there are um, a lot of active women's groups now, and women are becoming particularly more active. I mean, women have always been active in communities and have done a huge amount of work. A lot of them maybe, because of the time constraints, didn't see their role, uh, you know, a role in politics. But I think now they are very active in all walks of life, and I think I it's encouraging to see that. But at the end of the day, it's a personal decision. You know, somebody has to be comfortable with it. Um, you have to be comfortable that this is right for you and for your family. And I don't think, uh, you know, any amount of quotas is going to change that. I mean, it's it's... 24-7 nearly, you don't know when you're going to get called. I mean, I get calls up to 12 o'clock at night uh, sometimes, and I'm sure uh, Finola does too. So uh, particularly if you're living in the country, I think that's the way it is. But it is encouraging to see the amount of women that are active, and, and there were a lot of women active in various organisations coming up towards the, the last local elections as well. But ultimately, it is a decision for a woman. And I can say to any woman that's considering it, I think it is very worthwhile if you feel you can devote the time to it. Um, also, you know, when I was elected to the council first with Kathleen Coleman in Carrick, we were the first two women ever elected to the council. Uh, it was an all-male bastion at the time. But um, we got tremendous support uh, from the other members. So I think, you know, you're, you're elected as an equal, you know, and I don't think the emphasis on whether it's women or men really doesn't matter. If you understand the position and you're able to do the work, then it doesn't matter whether you're male or female. Let's take a look at some of the more current issues that are happening around the county. And we might start, Finola, with yourself, um, speaking about the the situation in Carrick and Shannon from the bridge to the Tesco roundabout, which is currently being overlaid on the N4. Can you tell us a bit about what's going on and why it's happening and what the impact is going to be for, for motorists through the county town? Currently, um, the National Roads Authority are doing an overlay, as you say. It is taking place very much in, in the town around the, the Shannon area at a time when we have a high proportion of visitors and, and people passing through, but that cannot be helped because it's a national decision that th this road has to be done and we cannot say let's do it in February or March or September or October. This is the time this has been allotted to it. The workers are working very much at night. They're there in big teams at night, but it is leading to a delay on the bridge. So I suppose forewarned is forearmed for people that if they're coming through Carrick to allow plenty of time. The, the roads are always graded, the, the, our own engineers and national engineers grade the roads and they see that that road was developing potholes and needed, needed an overlay so the time has been allotted to it. The first phase of it, which has been done this month, is from the bridge as far as the Shannon roundabout, which is, is the first one that brings you around by the Shannon. And the second phase will be from the Shannon roundabout to what we call the, the Tesco or the Atirori roundabout. Um, when it comes to that stage, it will be less intrusive because traffic will be able to go around by avant-card. So it, maybe they'll be able to do it uh, on a more 24 hours uh, basis. But, but currently, it, it cannot be undone. The decision was made to do it. Um, it's unfortunate that it's in the middle of our season, but there's always a town that is in the middle of season because I've been elsewhere myself and seen huge works going on uh, in peak tourist season. Carrick is getting it this time. Um, I'd appeal to the locals to, to help those who are passing through and help those that are visiting to make it as, as small an intrusion on their lives as possible. And it's great to see the National Roads Programme been rolled out and coming to Leitrim. The question that I know I heard when people were experiencing trouble was, was it even required? Maybe can you tell us a bit about why it's required? In my experience, anything that our council says yes to is required. Um, um, if you were a walker and walking out uh, from the Shannon roundabout towards 
Tesco, you would have noticed that the footpath was extremely uh, rugged and you could easily trip on it. And we did have issues with that, uh, asking for improvements. So it has, the answer, of course, was that's all going to be looked after when the overlay is being done. So the footpath too from uh, the Shannon roundabout to the Ashley roundabout is, is being improved there. And in the end, it will all be for the better. Of course, it'll be for the better. I'm sure drainage works and things are going on as well that I haven't been told about. But it's a national decision, and it's, it's even calling councillors about it is futile. We cannot do anything about it. We'll turn our attention maybe back towards the last council meeting at the start of the month. And Mary, yourself and the county CEO had a rather interesting exchange uh, about planning permission. Do you want to maybe tell us a little bit about that? I had a motion down calling on the council to meet a delegation of people who were very concerned uh, over in the Kilavogi, uh, Gretna Farna, uh, Drumahere area about, it's called a Croa uh, wind farm that's proposed um, there. They're really seriously concerned because the wind farms are going to be about 60% bigger than any existing ones that we have. I think the only other place where there is a wind farm of this size where there was a lot of controversy is in County Offaly. So I put the motion down in good faith so that the people could come in and just speak about their fears and their concerns to the councillors and to the executive. Now, I understand that the councillors don't have a role in planning. We obviously can make suggestions and submissions, but we don't have a say in planning. That's fine. I mean, I'm okay with that. But what I was trying to do was let these people outline their concerns uh, at the meeting to the executive and the councillors would be aware of their concerns as well. It's, I know it's an executive function. Um, well, I put the motion down, as I said, in good faith, but um, I w the CEO and the Director of Services spoke to me just after I went in prior to the meeting starting, saying that they had a difficulty with it and would I withdraw the motion. Now, I wasn't prepared to uh, withdraw the motion, so we had the discussion on it. And they informed me that they had a letter from the Minister saying that uh, we weren't uh, allowed to discuss planning applications and that if I insisted on bringing the delegation in, then that they would have to leave the meeting. So we'd have a delegation there speaking to the councillors with no power and the executive wouldn't be listening. They would remove themselves from the meeting. So I was very unhappy with that because I hadn't seen this letter that came from the minister and it wasn't circulated to us even though it came out a year, just over a year ago. So I did get the letter on the Friday after the meeting uh, where the minister said that we were not to discuss uh, planning applications. Um, I do feel this is very high-handed because each one of us, as Finola knows, we all went out and got elected. We have a mandate to represent the people. And while we haven't an executive function in planning, I believe that we have a right to accommodate people who want to make the feelings known on such a serious issue as this one. I did feel it was, the way it was dealt with, was a bit high-handed. I was disappointed that I didn't get a phone call a week before the meeting, maybe to say, after my motion went in, you know, to outline to me. But anyway, that's as it is. I've been told since by the CEO that that will change, that any motions that go in that they feel they need to talk to a councillor about will be done um, in advance um, of the meeting. But I suppose the bigger concern is that there are people out there who have their homes there, they have their families there, uh, these uh, monstrosities of things are going in, the application is going in, I gather, uh, very shortly, and they can make submissions themselves. But the fact that it is government policy um, to provide alternative energy, we understand that, but it's the size of them and where they're being located. And if you look at this area, I mean, we have got a huge amount of wind farms, which nobody has had any difficulty with 
you know, they're up there in the mountains, they're in Crivoli, they're in Garva, they're all around the place. So um, there's no difficulty with that. It's the size. Um, and the other thing is that Minister Nocton said himself in a radio interview a couple of months ago, or a couple of weeks ago, that he had, there were new guidelines on relation to noise that he signed off on two years ago, and they haven't seen the light of day yet. So you have this, these new applications going in under the old guidelines, while they're still, um, while the new guidelines are sitting there. And I think there should be more consultation with these people uh, in the area. It's going to affect their, their lives, it's going to affect their, their house, the price of houses. And uh, in general, um, there should have been more consultation with the executive rather than the way it was dealt with, in my opinion. Is there an issue in general, and this isn't necessarily a Leitrim issue, but just a local government issue, with power struggles, for want of a better word, between the councillors and the executives in each county? Maybe from Nola? Maybe? I, I wouldn't think that there's a power struggle. We see ourselves as elected to represent the people. And when people come to us with a, a strong issue that they feel personally about, and whether we agree with them or not, it's our job to, to bring them forward. I'm not suggesting we don't agree with them, but there are times when people ask us to do things and we think, is this reasonable? But we still go that step for them so that the reply that is given is given from the executive of Leitrim County Council and not a personal Fanola Armstrong reply. Um, and I certainly see that when people come with an issue which is as big as this in their lives and which they see that the compromise can be reached, that it's clearly our job to, to help them reach that compromise. And it, is, it appears to be a compromise. Everyone understands that we need uh, different forms of energy. Um, so I, I really see it as our job to bring forward what the people are asking in the strongest possible way so that if we do have to go back with a no to them, that it's not because we haven't sought from every angle that we could. And uh, Mary's uh, motion was, was doing that. It was asking, can this be possible? Can it be met with in some way? And can we have a compromise here? Okay, let's move on and talk about community. Let's talk about the importance of volunteering. Well, I, I feel that the volunteers are hugely valuable in all communities, and I think they don't get recognition. Um, there are so many volunteers, and perhaps it's as a councillor you get to know how many different formats they, they come in. Um, they have many roles. Um, only yesterday I was talking to somebody whose child is involved with the Big Brother, Big Sister um, organization and the, the relief that that is to the household that the child comes from, that, that the Big Brother, Big Sister project is working so well for them. Now, those who are familiar with it know what I'm talking about, but it's, it, it's under the radar a lot and, and it's, it's quietly there. Um, family carers, of course, uh, those who are unpaid and unrecognised, um, volunteerism from neighbours to help family carers, uh, they, they need recognition and they're very much a part of a community and they're helping to keep communities together and families together. Um, all community groups, of course, the good community groups, and we're depending on so many of them now to do everything um, in our parishes, um, are all led by volunteers and worked together as volunteers and uh, in, in all things, from the graveyards that are mentioned here in the paper today to all other sports uh, sports trainers and coaches uh, the, who go ahead of teams and um, work outside teams, get no recognition or s scarcely seen, but they're there as volunteers. And uh, 
then our paper today and for the last few weeks has been full of all the festivals in the region, South Leitrim, North Leitrim, Middle of Leitrim, uh, all ran by volunteers and community groups who reach out for any funding that goes, but it's all paperwork, it's dotting I's, it's crossing T's, and it's ensuring that everything happens and happens safely and successfully. And uh, all of ours have been, in this county, have been extremely successful, uh, not to mention any of them in particular, if you or, or Mary want to mention them, but I, I do feel that volunteerism is one of the most precious things we have, and I have to say... Uh, Gracious thanks to all those who do it in our community. Yeah, I couldn't agree more uh, with Fanola. I mean, the county would be such a poor place uh, without all of the groups. And of course, we have more than ever now. But if you take it going back to um, even in the early 80s, where Leitrim had the highest percentage of houses uh, without running water per head of population in the whole country. And it took the people who ran all the group schemes. I mean, and they were a hardship for a lot of people because they had to do the get plans done, they had to collect money, which is never an easy thing. And um, they provided a service which really should be provided by the local authority or some arm of government. So even way back to that time, but since that, they've blossomed. And as Fenora said, like, I mean, look up and down the county, the amount of festivals, drama groups, um, tidy towns, all of those groups. And even uh, Wednesday morning in my own village in Drumkeer, in the Drumkeer and Active Age, have been selected as one of the three projects under the Corporation Ireland uh, competition, it's, which is the North-South. And the finals will be held in um, Kilkenny later on in the year. And um, they were selected because of the work that they do as one of the finalists to go through. So, um, and the judges attended here on, on in Drumcairn on Wednesday morning. So it was a joy to see them showing all their activities and, um, and the tidy towns groups. But now we're putting, I think, more pressure has been put on local groups because they have, they're making applications to Leader and Clore. Very, very difficult um, applications. It's very time-consuming. They're all doing this in, in a voluntary capacity. And we're looking at all the GEA clubs where they're doing extensions and providing dressing rooms and, uh, again, all, all voluntary work. And then if you look again, even in, in all the towns and villages, in the housing estates, now um, in all of the local authority housing estates, or nearly all of them now, we have estate management committees, which are voluntary people. So really, without that, um, I don't know how that work would be done. And even to go back to, I know what happened in Carrigallon last year, where the group applied for to put in a footpath, a footpath out to the football field. Um, in Drumcairn this year, there's an application gone in from the Tidy Towns for the provision of a footpath along the R280, which is a regional road, because the council don't have the funding to do it, and we have to look under other schemes. So I just hope that we don't overburden um, the voluntary sector too much. Uh, they seem to be getting um, leaned on more and more and there are a lot of people, even some people in two or three organisations trying to keep them going but it's absolutely fantastic um, what they've done and I can't praise them highly enough and as I said at the outset, without them I don't know what kind of a county we'd have so a long may they continue. Your own party, Fenora, is Fine Gael, and yes. obviously Jerry Reynolds resigned or, or withdrew his nomination should I say from consideration for the election um, recently, two weeks ago. Frank Feehan was selected earlier this week. Is that a surprise? How will that affect Leitrim people in terms of, he's obviously from North Roscommon, although he's in this constituency. So what is the, the, the fallout of that situation? Uh, Senator Frank Feehan is a very popular person. Um, I think he's a very popular person in the party. I think he's very popular in South Leitrim. Um, he has uh, great credibility as a candidate to me. Um, he's a quiet man, but he does his work and does his work well. 
Um, he has been in the Dáil. He has 20 years' experience. Um, yes, we all knew that there were six or seven names going forward, uh, but in, in speaking to people around me um, and around Carrick and Shannon, people were edging towards Senator Frank Fegan and uh, very happy with his presentation so far. Um, we're a region. This idea of there being a bridge in Carrick that's dividing, it divides two football teams and there ends the division. I mean, obviously, uh, Fianna Fáil allegiances, I can't, <laughs> I can't just have, have all of it. What's the impact, do you think, for the general election uh, with Frank's nomination now? Will that impact on, on maybe the strategy that Fianna Fáil are going to have through the next election? Um, I don't think so. I think Fianna Fáil have selected their candidates. Uh, we have three candidates and obviously we'll be going for three seats. Um, I'm not in a position to comment on Frank Fehan's candidature or not, I thought maybe that John McCartney or Rendon McGlone, just because I, I, you know, I know both of them haven't served with them on the council, um, I thought maybe one of them would have ran uh, in Leitrim, but obviously that's a matter for Fine Gael. We have three candidates selected for Fianna Fáil in, in Sligo Leitrim and uh, we'll be doing our best to get them elected. And I suppose I better say at this point that there are other candidates who aren't Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael running in the general election. I'm sure people will be fully aware of who they are uh, as the general election. We just want to know when it's going to happen. (laughs) I think think most of the country who are into (laughs) politics want to know when it's going to happen. Let's uh, wrap up with a couple of little things that we might just take a quick look at. We talk about the front page of the Leitrim Observer today, which is a story of the graveyards in North Leitrim. So, uh, Mary, we may have a little chat with you about that, seeing as it's your neck of the woods. Yeah, well, I've had a motion down at the municipal meeting last Monday, and it's just that over the last, uh, well, in the last year particularly, see that a number of cemeteries are owned by Leitrim County Council. They're in public ownership, and then there's another number of smaller ones are owned by the churches in question. There's a confusion over who should uh, maintain the upkeep, and the council did pay part-time uh, caretakers um, to do the to caretake for the graves, and obviously it was Capital Works then the council uh, contribute to that. But I think in the last while, um, a lot of cemeteries have been neglected and um, there seems to be nobody. The rural social scheme and the two schemes uh, have been involved in some of them, where they have the workers to do it. But in some places, like the larger ones, like the one in Manor Hamilton, there, you know, there's been a difficulty there over the last uh, number of months. And if you take it in that particular one, the cost of a plot is €500 Euro, and there's a sign-up when you go in on the gate saying it's Leitrim County Council. And then the reply I got saying Leitrim County Council have no funds for any of the public cemeteries that they're responsible for. So it's coming back to the community again. And people are saying, well, if we pay for our plot and the council own it, why are the council not responsible? And the, it's like I pointed out earlier, is the council are not getting money for footpaths and various other things. They're not getting an allocation of funds to uh, the upkeep of the cemeteries. So what they were suggesting is that each area where there is a public cemetery would have a cemetery committee, uh, you know, and that they would work with the council. And I've put a proposal forward that at the next full meeting of Leitrim County Council that we seek funding, uh, that there will be adequate funding there. Because it varies from cemetery to cemetery. Some, a lot of uh, local people that have some graves there, they look after them. But there are a lot of people, graves there, that they don't have anybody belong to, to them alive or they're abroad or whatever. So, and I think it's, you know, a last resting place for people and I think it is important that we maintain them properly. If the money from the purchase of the plot goes to the County Council, surely that money could be ring-fenced for the upkeep of the graves? Well, that's what people are saying, but obviously that's not what, hap- what happens. And, you know, it may not be enough to do it, but what's happening at the moment is some in some places they have collections on the day 
and people give voluntary to to it. But it, I mean, it is important. I think if the council owns them, but then there's other confusion about where there are old structures in cemeteries. Uh, I have that a lot in my area. I have it in uh, Kilbride. It's out at Tarman and at Curras, where the OPW say they're not responsible. There is a, a building there, like an old church, which is uh, in some cases protected structures. The OPW say they're not responsible. The council are not responsible. And you know, you end up with a priest asking people don't stand near it, and there are actually graves inside it inside those structures and the, the la in two of them the last time they were asked people were asked at the blessing of the graves don't stand in there because it's quite dangerous so that's another thing that i've asked that somebody take responsibility for this it's obviously not the local people's responsibility we will finish up with a look at some of the festivals really briefly because we are running out of time obviously we're in drum in here today mary you've kindly hosted myself and finola in just over a month we will be looking at the Drumcuran Festival here. I think it starts the 16th of August. But before that even happens, we've got festivals in Manor Hamilton. We've got the Joe Mooney Summer School. We've just had Antostal. We've just had the Carrick Water Music Festival. Uh, I'm missing one. I think it's Ballinamore Festival is on at the start of August as well. So, th and there's so many more things oh, happening around the, the county. Obviously, we obviously on the show here have a roundup every Friday of what's happening. And we'll be talking to some of the people behind those festivals. But... How important is that culture of those festivals to bring people into the county? Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, the amount of people that plan ahead. Now, we already had one here in Drumkin with the John McKenna traditional one, which we have every year. It's a, it's a long weekend, and we have people coming from various places, from England and from Dublin and uh, even some people from America. But uh, it's very, very important because it's the connection with home for a lot of people, and they plan their holidays um, around that. Um, and for the people involved, I think for families, there's great entertainment uh, for, f for all, all kinds of family entertainment. I mean, one of the big successes here of the festival is the Old Fair Day, which they started uh, two years ago, which is absolutely tremendous. And then it brings income into the businesses, which, you know, in small towns and villages, it's a great uh, boost for them because part of the year it's, it's obviously very quiet. But it's a great buzz, and if you think this year, even around me now here, Drum Kieran, then you have Drum, the Joe Mooney Summer School in Drum Shamrock, which is an international, fantastic altogether. I think it was bigger than the Willie Clancy and Milton Malbay last year, which is really something. And then you have the Wild Rose uh, starting again in Manor Hamilton, and it's congratulations to the people there that have, have revived that. And as you said, right throughout the county, and as Finola's just had the Carrick uh, Water uh, Festival, which was a great success as well. So. It is very important, and I think without that, the summers will be fairly bleak in, in a lot of towns and villages. Finola, if there's a community that maybe don't have a festival, I'm looking for a, a way to attract people to the village, maybe for next summer. What are the, the processes or the, the schemes that are out there maybe for funding to help people get new festivals off the ground? Well, no, off the top of my head, I'm not able to give you names of schemes, but certainly there are four or five opportunities for which to put in your application. You have to be running a festival or an event, and it is really, it's one of the best ways of getting a community get together, getting your own diaspora back home for a certain weekend or a weekend um, nearby it. Um, again, um, Carrick's Carnival, which is in early June, attracts a huge amount of people. It's a focus. It's a weekend. People come to Carrick and Shannon Far. The Joe Mooney Summer School will affect the towns around it as well. The beds will be all booked. There's no hotel, I'd say, with empty beds around the Joe Mooney Summer School. Um, music shops uh, will be busy, and children will be active in the evenings. And um, of course, there's night entertainment too in Drumshanbo. Our water music festival last week drew great numbers. It um, was a great weekend weather-wise. Um, 
um, it was the 12th, so there were people who come from the north traditionally who came our direction. They would have been on the Blue Way and on everything else around Carrick and Shannon as well as at the Water Music Festival. Uh, it's a thing vis villages and towns must do now. Uh, if a village wants to bring its people back, they have to have a couple of weekends in the year where they focus on putting on some things that will be family events. It's a great attraction. It's great for a community. It's great to liven up a town or a village again. Ruski Festival is coming up as well. If you just look at a small area like Balneglera, you know, just the parish, um, they, their festival is starting uh, as well. So they have a great festival. And they also have later on in the year run by the great uh, Sean Kilrain. They have a traditional weekend. So you can say they have two festivals that attracts a lot of people. And it's just a small parish. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a great commitment by the, the volunteers, again, in all of the areas. Yeah, and it it's does come down to that, yeah, volunteerism. And it's funny how we keep going around in circles on the show, but I'm afraid that is all we have time for. Thank you very much, ladies, for joining us. Thank you very much for your service to the county and the county council, and it's great to have women who are prepared to put themselves in. Obviously, Finola, you've been there for the best part of a decade. Mary, you've been there a couple of years longer than that. We won't go into detail. I don't mind, it's 40. <laughs> nearly a badge of honour at this I'm stage. I'm only six. <laughs> um, but listen, thank you very much for, for all your work for the, for the people of the county and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to you again on the show as the weeks and months go by. Thank you. Thank you, Brethany. Thank you very much. We will finish off the show today with one extra little piece of a bonus for you. Niall Moran has been selected for the Irish Under-19 team at the European Championships and he's in Armenia and I caught up with him before tonight's game against France. It's a bit far from Leitrim, but Armenia is where our next guest is at the moment. Niall Moran, welcome to the programme. Thank you for having me, Bradley. You're away with the Irish Under-19s at the European Championships. A, a late call-up, but you're in the squad, and things are looking pretty good after an opening day draw with Norway. As I was talking to you previously, uh, I said I was on standby late last Thursday night. I got a call to say that I'd been, uh, I'd been called over. I flew out then late Friday night. A bit of a whirlwind. Yeah, a bit of a whirlwind, all right, yeah. I had to make a long trip on my own. So, um, yeah, it, it didn't really bother me. The fact that I was coming out made it, um, made it uh, a little bit sweet, you know. The game against Norway, a uh, one-all draw. Um, I think we were a bit slow to start, but uh, we grew into the game. I think we'll be content enough with the performance, but we know that there's, there's more in us and there's more to give. We, I think we'll take a draw. In terms of the game this evening against France, they won their opening game pretty convincingly. How was the mood in the camp in the build-up to that? Uh, uh, yeah, well, obviously, uh, when you get to this stage, there's going to be no easy games. And France are obviously one of the favourites in the tournament. But um, all we can do is go out and give it our all. We know it's going to be tough, but uh, that's all we can do. Go out and work hard and see how it goes. Well, listen, Niall, the very best of luck to you. Uh, we really hope you do the business tonight against France and the whole Elytrum will be cheering for you. All right, thank you very much. So that's it for the week, folks. Thank you very much. I'll be back next week with two more members of our county council. And also, of course, you can listen in to the show tomorrow where I will be going through an event guide and we feature the Wild Rose Festival in Manor Hamilton as well as the Joe Mooney Summer School in Drumshambo, plus a few other bits and pieces that are going on over the weekend. Talk to you then.